Well, I'm glad that you are here tonight and we are excited about uh, the opportunity to open up our hearts and minds as we open up the Word of God. I want to read one uh, verse in your hearing and we'll take our text from that and then I want to read several more verses. I want to talk to you tonight about staying connected in a crisis. Staying connected in a crisis. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And we know from studying the Word of God and different examples that we have in Scripture that one of the biggest tools of the enemy is to try to isolate the people of God. And especially whenever you're hurt, especially uh, whenever you're discouraged, especially whenever you're fearful, uh, it's easy to isolate yourself. And you have to force yourself to stay up with the pack. Amen? Because there's safety in being surrounded by God's people. The Bible says he has put a wall of protection, a hedge, I think the word is in the, in the King James Version, a hedge of protection around his people. So as we're a part of that, we recognize that God will keep us. And I'm thankful for the family of God. I'm thankful for the people of God that keep us in a safe place. Let's dive into this and look at a couple of examples in the scripture. We start in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. Of course, now Elijah is a prophet of God, been greatly used of God. And uh, it appears that it's Elijah's time on, on earth has passed and he's not uh, going to die as normal men would, but God is going to catch him away. To take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. That Elijah went from or went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elisha was his uh, protege, as it were. He's his successor. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So what happens here, as we begin to read these scriptures, is that Elijah, knowing that he's getting ready to be caught away, knowing that he's getting ready to, to leave this earth, is uh, requesting that Elisha stay at these different places. But Elisha has the wisdom to know that in the midst of uncertain circumstances, you stay close to your spiritual leadership. Very, very important. Verse 3, And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today. So these sons of the prophets that had all the pedigree, they probably, many of them thought they should be the successors. They wanted Elisha to know that his days of just hanging on to the coattails of Elijah were coming to a close. And they're going to rub it in a little bit. And so they say, knowest thou not that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And Elisha said, yea, I know it, hold ye your peace. Which is the Bible's really polite way of saying, keep your mouth shut. 
Behold ye your peace. Amen. Have you ever noticed that people love negative news? They love negative news. And especially when they can share it with you. Did you hear? Did you know? And it's always negative. And you know, they, they make a lot of money selling all these magazines as you're trying to check out, you know, at the, at the counter there at Publix or whatever. And they got all these things. This one's done that one. And this one's met a Martian. And this one's not going to make it. And, and there's all of this stuff going on. And they got you there as a trapped audience as you're putting your items up on the little conveyor belt and waiting for you, the cashier. And you're looking around and here's all of these crazy uh, newspapers and magazines and they've got all of this negative news. But this is not what maketh the bones fat. The Bible said a good report maketh the bones fat. That means that's healthy for your soul. And in Philippians, Paul said, if there be any good thing, think on these things. So I challenge the, the family of East Wind believers to try to get up every day and start your day thinking about five good things. I'm alive. That's a good thing. Number two, I can get out of bed. That's a good thing. I mean, it doesn't take long for you to think of five things. You know, God's been good to us. And if we start out thinking on five good things, we can have a positive report and we can do away with all these naysayers because negative news will cause you to isolate. Negative news will cause you to insulate. And that is a trick of the enemy to try to uh, remove you from the body of Christ. It becomes more difficult to stay connected in a time of crisis. It becomes more difficult to stick together in a time of crisis. And this is where we have to have this multitude of counselors to help us. And of course, the wisdom of the word of God. So Elisha, he's like, yeah, I know it. Hold ye your peace. In other words, this is something that God's got his hand on. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. Elisha has got Elijah and the sons of the prophet trying to keep him separated, right? But Elisha has to just persevere. And Elijah says, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he says, the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. You got to sometimes just get a bulldog grip. And just say, I'm going to serve God anyhow. Everything's gone wrong. I've had a bad report from the doctor. I got a bad report from my boss. I got a bad report from home. I got a bad report from in-laws. I mean, it can go on and on and on. But you got to just get a bulldog determination and say, I'm going to walk with the Lord anyhow. I'm going to stay true. I'm going to stay committed. You know, I want to say this because I think it's important. It's so important for each of us to have an individual relationship with God apart from our relationship with our spouse because there's some things that your spouse is not going to be able to help you with there's going to be some things your spouse can't deliver you from there's going to be some questions that you have concerning why God allowed that to happen that your spouse is not going to be able to answer you've got to have your own walk with God where you can go to the Lord alone in prayer shut the door and say God I need your help hallelujah and if you can, you can find that place, that secret place of prayer. It doesn't matter what situation you're facing. There's a God that will show himself. He will come near to you. 
In fact, when others distance themselves from you, God doesn't follow the herd. He comes close to you. You may feel like you're by yourself, but you're not. God is nigh. God is near. And God is saying, just hang on. Just stay connected. And this is what Elisha had to learn. And so he's having to fight through even what his spiritual advisor is telling him to do. He says, Terry here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. Verse 6, he says, the Lord live, the Lord live, my soul, thy soul liveth. I will not leave thee. And they went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went. Here they come. Boy, you've always got this crowd hanging around. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. Now, this is interesting. Because this crowd came to observe. But they couldn't cross over Jordan. When you cross over Jordan, it's oftentimes a very lonely place to go. But remember, one with God is a majority. Amen. If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. And sometimes you've got to cross over Jordan. And when you cross over Jordan, you may not have all of the, the support of everybody around you. But one thing is for sure, if you go over Jordan, God is going to come close to you. And he's going to give you the right words. He's going to give you the right way of thinking. And you're going to know that God is on your side. So one of the things that Elisha had to learn was that he had to stay close to Elijah. Even though there was a, an uh, upcoming crisis, no doubt. There was a changing of circumstances. And he knew that there was going to be conflict. And he had to stay close. A lot of times you don't know what the future holds. You've got to just stick with what you do know. You know that God's on your side. You know the word of God is true. You know the Lord is a faithful friend. You've got to stick with what you know. And if you'll stay with that, what you don't know will reveal itself to you. You know, when Abraham was going up the mountain with Isaac, he didn't see his answer until he got to the top of the mountain. Sometimes you've got to just keep going and you've got to keep climbing even though you're climbing with your questions. You're climbing with your doubts. You're climbing with your fears. But you just keep climbing because the only thing you got to hold on to is the word of God. But ladies and gentlemen, that's enough. I said, that's enough. You take a man's or a woman's perseverance and you attach it to the word of God. And those two things together will get you through any crisis, any storm, any uncertain environment. Perseverance and commitment to the word of God. And God will bring you through. Amen. So 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. They're going to watch. They're in observation mode. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elisha stayed connected. No matter what they went through, he stayed connected to Elijah as long as he could. Now he knows he's facing, you know, criticism and jealousy from this 50. But he wouldn't let anything separate him. And that's so important. And as we... Uh, are going through what I, I think all of us can easily define as being a time of uncertainty. Uh, certainly, we talked about this on Sunday. It is a, 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 a time of crisis. And there's so much fear and there's so many things going on that uh, people don't know what to do. Schools don't know whether to start back up or not. Uh, churches are trying to figure out when to have service, when not to have service, how to navigate these uncharted waters. Um, businesses are trying to figure out how to open, when to open, when not to open. Uh, Disney World is trying to figure out whether to be open or whether uh, not to be open. I had a friend that went over to Disney World recently, and they had all these different 
regulations about your mask. It wasn't just you couldn't have one of those little buff things you just pulled up. Um, mask had to, had to be uh, totally covered. It had to be taut around your chin and taut around your nose. And it had to be where you couldn't have any of them little tiny holes in it. It had to be. And people walk around, they'd examine your mask, make sure. That doesn't sound fun to me. 98 degree weather and everybody walking around with these things. They said the good thing about it was there were no lines. So I guess, you know, there's a trade-off for everything. There's no lines. Nobody wants to be there. You know, if no one's there, that ought to be a good indication it's not an enjoyable place to be. You know, the magic kingdom has lost its magic. Hello, somebody. I feel another sermon coming. <laughs> the magic kingdom has become the masked kingdom. My goodness. But everybody's trying to figure out now that the, what is it? The uh, brother Richie's all in depression because the big Ten's not playing football this fall. I don't know what we're going to do with brother Richie. Y'all got to pray for him. His beloved Ohio Buckeyes are not going to be playing football. I said, how's that any different than any other season? That was for all the Clary Cloud over there. <laughs> what are y'all owing about? Y'all aren't from Ohio. <laughs> but I think it's safe to say that everybody, you know, not just America, you know, now we got Russia saying they found the cure. Now we've only tested 47 people with it, but we have found the cure, according to, you know, Putin over there in Russia. That's about like them saying they're going to get to the moon first. But um, I don't have anybody here from Russia I'm offending them. So uh, <laughs> we're equal opportunity offenders around here. Um, this, this, is, this is a crisis for the whole world. People are trying to figure out how to navigate this. They've got all the issues going on with airplanes. And so everybody, I think it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult uh, place to be. And the... The, the greatest, the greatest enemy to a, a believer's walk with God is the desire to isolate themselves. And you can, you know, when you're in an environment like we're in now where you're feeling the need to isolate yourself physically, it's important that we don't isolate ourselves spiritually, that we stay connected and that we, we don't just we don't just wait for connection points to come to us, but that we, like Elisha, we seek out places that we can connect. You know, that we are actually, we're, we're the instigator, we're the, uh, the one that initiates. Where can I connect? How can I connect? What can I be a part of? What can I be involved in? Just like Elisha, he, he didn't have anybody trying to keep him connected. He had everybody trying to disconnect him. And you got to pursue it. And so I wanted to, you to have a little, a little saying that you could hang on to, that you could keep with you, and this could become your motto for the next few months. Okay? You ready? Here it is. It's very clever. Say no to going solo. Brilliant, isn't it? No to going solo. When the enemy tries to isolate you, you say, no, I'm not going solo. I'm a part of a family of believers. I'm not going to isolate myself. If God be for me, who can be against me? God's got my back. Amen. We're going to keep on keeping on. And I know there's different uh, situations and I'm, 
referring, of course, here uh, more specifically to staying connected spiritually. Physically, I know there's still some challenges. People have underlying health conditions, and I know there's things there, and we're, we're working with everybody on, on every level to try to uh, make sure we're, we're able to stay connected with body of believers. And not only that, but a lot of people that uh, are not even um, a part of our local congregation but have become faithful followers online. And God is helping us to be able to expand our reach. And uh, I don't know how you guys feel about this. Maybe we can have a business meeting right now and take a vote on it. But uh, when it gets cooler, I'd like to go back to maybe doing uh, a drive-in service on a Sunday night. Do you know when we had drive-in services, we had people coming here that didn't even come to church. They felt safe in their cars. Not necessarily from the coronavirus, but from the altar workers. Brother Morgan and I and Brother Derek Hayes and Brother uh, Scott and Brother Rich and I, we'd go around and praying for the cars and you could hear locks. <laughs> they can't get me. I'm safe in here. <laughs> Not really. I'm just having fun. But people did feel more comfortable in cars because maybe they weren't a part of this church, but they visited and all that. And I thought, well, it cools down. Maybe you know, on a Sunday night, we can do that once in a while and have a drive-in service. I'm open to us doing whatever we have to do. But one thing I know for sure is that we can't lose our apostolic identity, that we're a part of the family of God. We're a part of the family of God at church, in our homes, on our jobs, in school. Wherever we are, we have got one identity, and that is that we are a child of God. We've been bought by His blood baptized in his name and nothing's going to change that i remember uh, when i was in a, a tough spot as a young preacher many uh years ago uh, the lord gave me a word i was reading a book written by uh, uh max lucado called when god whispers your name and uh, i remember when i was reading that book that i uh, i came across a couple of, of things that it just it seemed like as i was reading that these these little phrases just stuck in my head, and it's been all these years later, and I still uh, remember. One of them was um, a saying that, he, of course, he was illustrating. He's a great writer and so forth, but he was writing, it, and the phrase just came out, let go of the steering wheel, and let go of the steering wheel, and I couldn't get away from that, and I, I just started thinking about that, and the Lord just started talking to me about there's times whenever we are always wanting to be in control of our destiny, and there's times whenever you've got to just turn the wheel over to God, and you've got to let the Lord take You've got to have confidence that God is a sovereign God, that God's a faithful God, and I trust what God is doing. I'm not going to try to orchestrate. I'm not going to try to predetermine my destiny. I'm just going to say, Lord, I trust you. I'm with you, and wherever you go, I will follow. Elisha didn't know where Elijah was going. He had to just trust. I just got to stay close. I, I don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're headed. I don't even know where we're going to end up. Here's all I do know. As long as I can see you, that's where I'm going to be. And there's times when you got to say, Lord, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if you're coming back in September or next September. Here's all I do know. As long as I can feel you, I'm going to be in the house of God. As long as I can feel your presence when I read this word, I'm going to keep on talking to you. I'm going to stay connected to my spiritual source of strength. And so you got to let go of the steering wheel. The second thing that I remember reading in that uh, book that was so impactful for me at that time in my life was just simply stay on the vine. Stay on the vine. So many times you, you go through things that you don't have explanation for. 
And you just got to stay on the vine. Don't let the enemy pluck you off. Because as long as you stay on the vine, you can make it. You'll keep growing because that vine's going to be nourished. And so you have to stay on the vine. A number of years ago, I was, uh, I was studying about the, uh, the Apollo 13 mission and, and research for a, a book that I was writing. And I became, uh, different, uh, became very fascinated with different aspects uh, of that mission. And, and some of it, I, I wrote about it in the, uh, in the book, uh, Heaven, We Have a Problem. And uh, every, every mission, of course, you know, growing up right here on the Space Coast and, and seeing the, the launches, I remember as a boy, my, my uh, parents uh, taking our family down to the river and it was night and, you know, come on, wake up, you know, we're going to... They're getting ready to launch, and they'd come down to, you know, 20 seconds, and they would scrub it. And, then, and I could see across the river, I could see all the lights on that big old Saturn V rocket. And I can remember as just a little boy looking at that, and it just seemed like we were in another world. And then finally they said, this is it. This is going to be the one. And we'd get out there and sit on the hood of the car, and finally, boy, they would light those engines and the entire sky. Those of you that never saw it, the only thing you've seen is the shuttle. It pales in comparison. I mean, the Saturn V rocket, the whole sky would light up like it was daytime. Of course, I was a little boy, so I'm sure it was even more vivid in my, in my mind being a, being, a, being a young child. But the, the rocket would take off and it would launch. And that, of course, all through the years, I've always been fascinated because we were right here and we were part of all of that in the, in the 70s. But all the missions were, were designed to, to, to go to the moon and to land on the moon, at least the, the missions from 11 on. And, and so... Uh, the Apollo 13 mission was very unique because uh, the Apollo 13 mission, um, it, it had an unexpected explosion. And uh, it, its mission was to get back to Earth safe again. And so the, that premise became what I wanted to write about and put in that book. And that was simply this. What do we do when we've had an unexpected explosion in our life? How do we get back to Earth safe again how do we do it and as we studied and, and researched this stuff about the Apollo 13 mission we we found that there were 13 things that happened that the scientists have no explanation for that were just what they call miracles that happened in this Apollo 13 mission that allowed these men to get back what I think happened was that God kept his hand upon those individuals because this was back at a time when they went to space and read from the book of Genesis and acknowledged that God was the creator. And I think God had his hand on those, those men and all those people that worked. Even as I researched this and these engineers said that when they couldn't figure out what to do to get these men back, they were basically stranded out in space. And they said that the engineers at Johnson, uh, Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, they all got together and, and put everything aside and prayed. And time was valuable. They were running out of oxygen. But they found time to pray. Oh, my friend, you can't tell me that God's not a part of that. When men and women will say, look, we have to acknowledge that we've done all we can do. We need God to do something supernatural. <laughs> Folks, that doesn't mean you're a weak human being. That means you're a smart human being. When you acknowledge the fact that God is the one that has the answer to every situation. And you know what, folks? God's got the answer to this situation. I said, God's got the answer to this situation. 
In the meantime, we ought not to be afraid to pray and say, Lord, heal our land. Lord, stay the execution of this virus. God, help us to be able to take advantage of this moment and to lift our eyes up toward the eastern sky because our redemption draweth nigh. And I think we can all agree that we've had unexpected explosions in our lives. But how do we get back to a place of safety? On the night of April 13, 1970, when the oxygen tank in Apollo 13's service module exploded, a 27-year-old engineer named Jerry Woodfull sat at his console in the mission evaluation room at Johnson Space Center. He was monitoring the uh, caution and warning lights and the system that he had helped to create for the Apollo spacecraft. And the oxygen tank, too, that was in the, uh, the Apollo 13 service module exploded at mission elapsed time, what they call MET, mission, how long they've been in space, 55 hours and 55 minutes into that, into that mission, that oxygen, two tank exploded while they were in space, 199,990 miles from Earth. Can you imagine an explosion? The command and service module, they came together, but they were, they were two distinct units. The command module, which they called the CM, housed the crew, the spacecraft operations, the systems, the re-entry equipment. And the service module, the SM service module, which carried most of the consumables, which was oxygen and water and helium and fuel. Um, and also the main propulsion system was a part of the service module. Well, the service module and, and the command module, they came together and they formed the command and service module. When this explosion took place in the, in, the, in the second oxygen tank that was on the service module, almost miraculously, another one of these miracles that they simply cannot explain why, the command module and the service module remained connected. This explosion took place and the engineers explained how miraculous this was and Jerry Woodfield goes on to say the attachment strength of the service module panel to the to the structure required a considerable internal pressure of 24 pounds per square inch so you have the service module and you have the command module they're attached and on the service module there's a panel there's an external panel and that panel uh, stays attached it would take more than 24 pounds per square inch uh, to sever it from the service module. Well, when there was that explosion, that panel that required 24 pounds per square inch, it blew out in such an uh, incredible fashion that it even knocked off part of their antenna from their command module, which, of course, controlled their communication, which made things even more difficult, which leads me to another point. One of the biggest things about staying connected is you got to keep your communication lines open. I said you got to keep your communication lines open. You know, when you feel distant from God, you you got to go, you have to pursue, you have to pray harder when it's the hardest to pray. Because command the command module, and we looked at this as our attachment to the Lord, and we look at how we've got to stay connected spiritually. One of the biggest things the enemy tries to do is to knock out your communication you got to keep on communicating. Sometimes when you have friends, you have relationships, and, and, and maybe something was said to hurt your feelings, or you went through a time they hadn't called you in a while, and, and that, that, that relationship can suffer if there's no communication. And the same thing is true with our relationship with the Lord. you got to keep communicating. 
You say, well, I would, Pastor, but I don't hear him say anything. That's because you're not reading the Bible. If you'll read the Bible, he'll talk to you. When you pray, you talk to God. But when you read his word, he'll talk to you. So you've got to have that two-way communication. And so here they were. And, and so the panel got separated. But the, the, the mechanism that kept the, um, the command module and the service module connected, it only required 10 pounds per square inch. So this panel over here on the service module required 24 pounds per square inch. It got blown sky high. And yet, the mechanism that kept the command module and the service module together only required 10 pounds per square inch to separate it. And it did not detach. It stayed connected. And they got all of these. Woodfield explains how there's all these different theories. I won't bore you with all. But there's all these different uh, theories about all these different pressures that were work, at work. And each pressure is attempting to overcome the respective attachment forces and the force which attached the service module to the command capsule and the, and the force which attached the service module panel to the service module. How could one blow that required 24 and the other one not that required 10 and yet this one was closer to the explosion and they had all these different things and, and the explosive, the pressure, the force and the oxygen was immediately applied to that area and they got all these different theories and when it's all said and done, here's what they come up with. We have no idea. These two things stayed connected when they should not have stayed connected. Aren't you thankful that the Lord sometimes doesn't explain to you how he did it? You're like, Lord, I don't even know how I got through that. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. I kept going to the house of God. I kept saying, Lord, you're my strength. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I've had an unexpected explosion. I never thought that person would walk out on me. I never thought I'd lose that job. I never thought that my best friend would do that. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? God was still there and the connection held on. Even there was an explosion of emotion. There was an explosion of rejection. There was an explosion of fear. There was an unexpected crisis. Yet God, hallelujah, kept his hand on you. Oh, what a good God. We ought to lift our hands and just thank him right now. Lord, I thank you, God, that you keep us connected in a time of crisis. You don't give up on us, Lord. You're there. You're as close as the very mention of your name. When we call on the name of Jesus, we feel, Lord, that hand that we're still connected to. What a great God you are, Lord. We worship you. We glorify you. Well, the service module was towed all the way back to earth four hours before they were to go through that fiery shield that protects this earth's atmosphere for re-entry they finally had to jettison that that service module and when they did they took pictures of it as it separated from the command module and they could see the whole side of it and they sat there speechless as they could see the explosion of that service module oxygen 2 tank that had taken that whole side off. And they watched it float out like that. And then they wondered what had happened to the heat shield. One of the reasons they had kept that service module connected was because they needed to protect their heat shield. Because that heat shield is the only thing that's between them and that fiery circle that's above this earth. And so that heat shield, if it was damaged, it was going to be exposed as they came down through re-entry. They had no way of knowing 
what was the condition of the command module. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see the heat shield. But when they saw the damage to that service module, they all looked at each other and realized there was a slim possibility that they would make it back to earth. Ladies and gentlemen, your heat shield has to be protected. Let me explain this to you from a spiritual application. The only way you and I are going to make it is if we have a spiritual heat shield and it's working to protect us spiritually, to protect us from hell and from all of it, the Bible says, fiery darts. There's some things, folks, you got to just have a heat shield. If you don't have a heat shield up, you will get offended. You'll get offended by everybody. You'll get offended for everything if you don't have a heat shield. Because the enemy always is going to throw little fiery darts at you and try to get you to react to something. And if you're not careful, you can react to it, and then your command module is compromised. So what do you do? you got to say, I'm going to keep that heat shield up, and I'm not going to let anything worry me. Hallelujah. I'm going to let it be water off a duck's back. I'm going to say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. <laughs> That's what Elisha had to have. He had to have a heat shield. Fifty sons of the prophet. You know your master is going to be taken from you today. Yeah, I know it. Hold ye my peace. You know what Elisha was saying? Here, look at my, look at my heat shield. I don't think he held up his coat, but that was just for dramatic purposes. But you... <laughs> You have to do that sometimes. Otherwise, the enemy will always be hitting you with something. And you just can't, you can't fall uh, prey to all of those attacks uh, from the enemy. And uh, so this, this heat shield was something that they, they realized they weren't uh, sure what condition their heat shield was in. But they just had to believe there was no other way to get home than to go through the fire. Good God, there's another sermon. Sometimes there's just no other way to get home than to go through the fire. Can I tell you guys something about... I believe it's, 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 a, it's something that's a problem for this generation that we're living in. It seems like to me there's no real repentance anymore. There's no real shame for what we've done. God will forgive us, but we're not really sorrowful anymore. We're afraid that we got caught. But the only way God can forgive us is for you to go through the fiery shield, heat, however you want to explain it, of saying, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I got to get a hold of the horns of the altar and I got to let the tears fly. And I don't care what my neighbor thinks. I don't care what anybody says. I got to get right with God. I got to get a hold of God. And I'm not going to let anything separate me from the love of God. Paul said in Romans 8, I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. When you look through the end of Romans 8, you'll see all the things he said. Not height, not depth, nor any other creature. Nothing. I'm not going to let anything, anybody, natural or unnatural. <laughs> Paul went through it all. I better go back to the scriptures. Let me read you so you'll hear it exactly from the words of scripture. Romans chapter 8. He says this. It's the end of uh, Romans 8. 
He says in verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying, I don't care if it's up above, down below. I don't care if it's any other creature. It doesn't matter where it's coming from, where its destiny is. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah. And you can't let fear or shame or pride, you can't let any of that stuff keep you from the love of God. Sometimes the only way to get home, to get to an altar, is to go through the fire. And just say, I'm going to kill this flesh and I'm going to go to the altar and I'm going to repent, hallelujah, and I'm going to get right with God. And ladies and gentlemen, if we can have true sorrow, there's not a devil that can stop you from getting close to God. There's not a spiritual entity that can stop the Lord from coming and putting his arms of love around you and saying, you're forgiven. I love you. It's time to come home. It's time to be a part of the church of the living God. God's getting ready to come back for the church. This is no time to stay on the other side of the Jordan and just look and watch and not be able to see that fiery triumph. Oh no, my friend, you got to get over Jordan and to get over Jordan, you got to go through the fire. Oh, get right with God, get right with God, get right with God. There's nothing more important than getting right with God. Elisha stayed with Elijah as long as he could because he knew he was going to have to face some heat. And it was the heat of these sons of the prophets that were waiting, these critics. They were the crowd that's always telling you how you're supposed to do your job. You ever met anybody like that? They could always do it better, or at least they thought they could. 2 Kings 2.11, it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire. Here comes the fire now. And horses of fire. And parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You've got to see what happened here. It's easy to run past this. Here comes, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. Do you know what that means? The fire separated Elijah from Elisha. The fire that rescued Elijah was the same fire that separated Elisha from his master. Sometimes that fire can cause a separation. But guess what? God can bridge that separation. And he does it with his anointing. Watch what happens. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. This was the separation that was to happen at the appointed time. It was to happen by the hand of God. Nobody had to force it. But just like that command module, just like that service module, there was a connection that stayed there. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, verse 12, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes. Now he's in a crisis. And rent them or ripped them in two pieces, recognizing that now this is the moment. Elijah has been taken from him. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 13, he took up also the mantle 
of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. The fire separated them. The mantle of Elijah comes down through the fire, falls upon Elisha. There's maybe been fiery trials that have separated you from your loved ones, but I come to tell you the same anointing that they had is upon you. The same anointing of our forefathers is on this generation. Come on, the mantle is fallen. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here by ourselves. The same God that has protected the church through the tribulation, the same God that protected the church through all of the persecution of Rome and all of the past, the post-apostolic fathers and all the martyrs and all the things that have happened throughout all the years to get us to this point, the same God that kept the church in Jerusalem and Antioch and, and the same God that have protected all of those all of those Christians behind the Iron Curtain and, and the Bamboo Curtain and all of these nations that have persecuted Christians is the same God that's going to keep you and I today. Hallelujah. It's the same mantle. It's the same anointing. It's the same message. It's the same gospel. Hallelujah. And the Lord is saying, don't be weary in your well-doing. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So much the more as you see the day approach it. Don't let anything disconnect you. Get a hold of that mantle. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. I'm thankful it's the same God. Yes, sir. Amen. I said, It's the same God. And can I say this to you? I know we're running out of time, but can I say this to you tonight? The same God that has brought the church through all of those fiery trials is not a God that has lost not one iota of power. He's got the same power, the same authority. He's not in trouble. He's not worried. He's not scratching his head. He sits upon the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He is not bothered by the things that bother you and I. He is God. He is king. He is Lord. He is God with or without me. He's God with or without you. He's God all by himself. And he's high and lifted up. And I just say to you today, oh, let us join together and say, God, uh, we can't control the fire, but we're asking you for a mantle that'll come down through the fire. We're asking for an anointing that'll come down through the fire. We're asking you, Lord, that you bring us back to a safe place uh, and we can wrap ourselves uh, in the power of God. That's your prayer. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Oh, I feel like the Lord wants to put a mantle in the midst of us. I wonder if you'd pray right now, lift up your hands and your voice. And would you just say, God, I want your mantle to fall. Hallelujah.
Lord, we're going to stay close. We're going to stay connected because uh, we know you got the answer. Uh, you've got all power and all authority. Hallelujah. You've got the solution to every crisis. Uh, you know every problem. You know what every person is going through. Hallelujah. You're not far off, God. You are close. Uh, you are as nigh as the mention of your name. And so we call upon the name of Jesus uh, and we say, where is the God of Elijah? We desire the mantle in our midst. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on, I see that mantle falling through the fire. I see that mantle falling through the fire. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on, it's the same mantle that's going to open up the Jordan River. It was good for our fathers. It was good for Paul and Silas. Uh, come on, the same thing that brought them out of jail is going to bring us out of jail. There's got to be a song in our heart. Uh, there's got to be a praise in our lips. Uh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. How many of you feel the Lord's going to just wrap a big mantle around you right now and just give you a revelation that he's going to give you power and authority? Woo, hallelujah. Let's pray one more time before we go. Lord, I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your goodness. Let the mantle of your anointing be upon this body of believers. We're asking for a supernatural demonstration of the Spirit of God. We know there are sons of the prophets on the other side of Jordan that's looking and watching and waiting. We have no power on our own. But God, we serve the Lord, hallelujah, that opened the Red Sea. We serve the God that made a way where there was no way. We serve a God that can open up the Jordan River. We serve a God that can bind the brokenhearted. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hmm. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. God cared about three astronauts 200,000 miles from home 50 years ago. Don't you think he cares about you and your family? He knows what you're going through and he's going to bring you back safe. I said, he's going to bring you back safe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. You're dismissed. We look forward to seeing each and every one of you on Sunday. Amen. Let's wrap ourselves in that mantle and see what God will do. God bless you in Jesus' name.